would please turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 16. We're looking at the first four verses. Um, I will warn you ahead of time. Um, just so that you know, you could be in serious danger this day. And the reason is, I am preaching out of three Bibles. So, uh, hope everybody's rested <laughs> and, <laughs> and ready. And, uh, and packed unless, you know what, I may just keep it. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um, maybe I'll just keep it to two. I have one here that's very dear to me. It has seen a few miles. Um, has served me well. So let's have a word of prayer. We'll read these first four verses on the most favorite topic that Christendom loves to hear more even than the second coming of Jesus Christ. Father, help us to hear. Father, help us to be sensitive to your truth. Lord, I see so many in this day, in this age, in this time, this season, that Father... Do what is right in their own hearts. And Father, I ask that your word this day will cut through our clutter. Uh, cut through the things that we may have had adhered to by error. And that, Father, that you would teach us from your word of truth. Father, that we as your children, we as joint heirs with Christ, would embrace and rejoice at your word and your glory. Thank you, Father. Thank you so much for what you do, what you have done, and Father, what you're going to do may we with an eagerness and an anticipation draw into it. In Christ's name, amen. First four verses, I told you I thought I was going to do this in... Uh, Four points, as you can tell, that's not happening. So let us read this. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so do you also. On the first day of every week, each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper so that no collection be made when I come. When I arrive, whomever you may Approve, I will send them with letters to carry your gift to Jerusalem. And if it is fitting for me to also go, they will go with me. What we are looking at is the pattern of giving that is exercised in the body of Christ and has been since the birth of the church at Pentecost in Jerusalem. And it has not changed uh, I know that in our society, I know that in the history of the church, that this has been corrupted, it has been twisted, it has been abused. Even so, it does not mean it changes. Uh, I, I watch people who say, well, but such and such does this, and I've seen this person take this, and this person takes that. And you know what? That does not validate you changing the instruction that God has given We've got to understand that, which brings me to a little caveat I would like you to think about. Do you understand the urgency of the day and the importance of the men that God places to lead the church? Do we really understand that? I watched people, I remember at a time when... The, a, a church had a guy who was like the treasurer. And the reason that he was over the finances of the church was because he was an executive with a corporation. That'll get you in trouble. That'll get you in trouble. 
Because that ain't what it says. And we looked at this last week. I want to kind of review and get you all up to speed on it. But we looked at the purpose of giving. And, and the best way to describe it is the way the Apostle Paul described it in Romans is koinonia. You give to the church for fellowship. That seems odd. But the truth of the matter is, is when you pool your money together, you are in fellowship, whether you like it or not. And that is an act of love. If you look at the birth of the church in Acts 4, you see there that they had all things in common. Why? They knew that there weren't any other churches. There wasn't anywhere else to go. And these were only going to be your eternal brothers and sisters. So why wouldn't I help them now? Fascinating concept. But the purpose for all intents and purposes that you give or should give to this local assembly, first and foremost is fellowship. It is koinonia. And it is more than just, hey, you want to go bowling? Uh, do we, does anybody bowl anymore? I don't know, maybe nobody bowls anymore. But, but, he's, but do you see what I'm trying to get at? It is, we are joining it together. You know, I, I think about Amy coming to me this morning and says, you know what, we had like five carts of bread downstairs. So get you some bread. If you don't like bread, get some for your neighbors. Cousins, aunts, uncles. You know, or just drive down the road, throw it out the window and confuse everybody. <laughs> it's raining manna. <laughs> out the window that Buick. Anyway. But this purpose is, yes, for the saints, but it is also for the leadership. And we looked at that in depth. And, and that brought us into our principles. Why do, why are we doing this? And, and it is, you know, part of it is to help with the leadership. First Timothy chapter five, verse 17 says that those who labor in the word and in preaching and teaching are worth double honor. Well, then give him two bags of bread. <laughs> it is for the local assembly, but then you can even see from the local assembly, it is to assist other assemblies. We help Alexander and Zeminfka. We help Igor. We help Valeri. We help Gennady. We help Leonid. Why? They're, they're part of the church. They're part of you and us. And so we spread it out. We go global. That's part of the reason over the years that I've been the senior pastor in this church that we've actually gone through our ministries and who are we helping and who are we not helping. And we've whittled it down and said we want our bang for our buck and we want people who are lifting high the Word of God. I don't need methods. I don't need systems. I don't need clever planning. Are you teaching the Bible? Are you making disciples based on the Bible? Then we'll invest in you. You know, I, I think in Hebrews chapter 16, or no, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16 says this. Oops. <clears throat> and do not neglect doing good and sharing for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. It's a fascinating understatement there, isn't it? You know what the word sharing there is, right? Yeah, it's the bread. <laughs> no, no. It's sharing with what you have been giving with those that have been given unto you. Fascinating concept. One of the texts that touched my heart years and years ago that still to this day at times weighs heavy on me, comes out of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16, verse 11. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust the true riches to you? Okay, and basically when you look at this text here in chapter 16, he says on the first day of the week you need to be giving. Why? Because that's going to keep bringing back to mind the stewardship that you have with what God has given you. If you cannot be a good steward of your earthly finances, you do not have to worry about getting the, temp the eternal riches to invest in. You don't have to worry about that at all. 
Okay, and I see that today. Uh, I, I meet with pastors here in our community, and they're all saying the same thing. This economic crisis has affected their giving, and they don't have this, and we don't have that, and we're going to have to shut this off, and we're going to have to do this and close this off, and all the rest of it. And something in that tells me that they've done something wrong. If you based your ministry on the world standard, then when financial crisis hits the world standard, then you will be effective. If you are walking in God's standard, you will not be affected. And truthfully, the light of the Lord should be shining greater. I showed you this between principles and protection. They're they're almost the same. And you'll see it over the next few weeks to come. And we looked at a bridge. And you've seen that it said in, in, in last week in Acts chapter 4, verses 34 and 35, that the people of the church were of no, had of no need. Nobody in the church. Now you think about that for a second. You have a, the birth of the church in Jerusalem. And Peter goes out the day after Pentecost, preaches a sermon, and now the church is 5,000 more people stronger. Okay? Now, what's bizarre about that is, is they don't have a New Testament. You can't just say, now then, you go home, run on home and read the Gospel of John. And we'll recommend you to a church in Rome. Because there is no church in Rome. There's no church anywhere on the planet Earth but in Jerusalem. And so you have 5,000 souls that just stepped into the eternal kingdom of Jesus Christ. And they are now your responsibility. You know what that means, right? They can't go home and you can't let them. All right. I already told you there was a famine in the land. I already told you they were persecuted. I already told you that the community was already stretched thin. And then goofy Peter goes out and decides he will brush up on his sermon and he preaches another one. And there's three grand more. He just took a church of 500 cowards and now he's got 10,000 and it would be like the nursery. I have 10,000 babies in Christ. Infants. I mean, we're not even talking toddlers. Okay, now don't get me wrong. He's got a good foundation. He's got the nine or, or the, the ten original disciples. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's got some, got some clout there. But you take ten guys and now, well, you're only going to have 10,000 in the church. Oh, poo. And now we've got to take care of them. And then you find a fascinating statement. No one in the church was in need. Well, how in the heck do you pull that off? Well, it's easy. His third message was on stewardship. <laughs> no. You know how it's done? People were selling their earthly possessions. And you know what they were doing with it? Read your text. They were laying them at the feet of the apostles. Interesting concept, isn't it? Now then, do you see why I say it is important to have godly men in church leadership? Why? People would sell their possessions and bring the proceeds and say, Here, take care of them as you need. As the body of Christ. And it's obvious they were doing pretty good at it because here's what was happening. No one in the church was in need. It got so massive that the church had so many resources that they had to start deacons, table waiters, to distribute the resources of the church to the widows. That's pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive. And I shared with you last week what keeps us from doing that in this day and age is very, very simple. And it's very, very subtle. It's coveting. Our sin of coveting keeps us from doing that. And I've heard it even argued this way. Well, I just don't want to be a burden on the church. So I'll work overtime. (laughs) 
You know, I don't want the church to have to buy me a Corvette. I'll do it myself. Right? That's crazy stuff, people. The church became the distribution center, the point where the leaders would distribute everything for the needs of the people. And they took care of the people. Now, I want to get into the academic side of this because uh, I don't want you to have way too much fun with this. This is a fascinating text in the original language. So I'm going to have to take a little time. This text that I usually teach out of is the New American Standard. And it says, on the first day of the week, verse 2, each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper so that no collections be made when I come. Uh, That's a fascinating statement, but I'm not sure about the way the New American Standard drew it out. Okay, Um, let me give you a King James translation of this, and I think you'll see what I'm trying to get at, perhaps. On the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. Okay. Um, Actually, that is the better translation than the New American Standard. The New American Standard says, put aside and save as he may prosper. Okay. And, And I know where they get this translation, and I know why they get this translation, but I believe it's erroneous. All right. Um. Basically, what I'm looking at is how am I to give? How, how, how do I give? And in the next few weeks, I'll deal with this. Most of you have heard of the tithe. I will deal with that in the next, probably next Sunday. Okay. Some, and if you were to read it in the New American Standards translation, put aside and save as he may prosper. Uh, it, it almost sounds like I need a little bank account at home. And, and, and um, when I see somebody who has a need, uh, I'll go to my little bank account and give them a little bank account, a little money. Or maybe there's a, a ministry that someone has tugged at my heart and I feel led by God that, you know, I, I need to, wow, you know, to take care of this. Or am I supposed to bring my money and just dump it in the church? And, and, and let the church decide how to distribute it or what to do with it. How, how, how are we to do it? Uh, and what do you, what does it mean here that put aside and save, or as King James says, uh, lay by him in store? What is it telling me here? What, what is it saying here? Um, I, I believe it, it's a little complicated in the original language. I'll t- I will give you that. But I, I think if we walk through this thing a little slowly, you'll see, see it's, it's pretty good. Um, when I think about the church, I usually try to hang out in the first and second century. Uh, third century, you see the birth of a great entity that you know as the Catholic Church. And, and I believe that the Catholic Church has taken... Yeah, I'm going to say it. I believe it took a God-given example and pattern and corrupted it all right and and you'll see why i say that here in a minute um i i I see some honorable men who basically um says that every christian should have a little account at home someplace uh, under your mattress or uh, maybe a, a separate savings account or a separate checking account um, and, and, and that, that at given opportunities or given needs are released to your attention, then you will step up and give to this um, situation or system or whatever. Um, and, and that that each one of us is to lay up themselves a, a, a little personal storehouse, um, funds to be available uh, to be used when God calls us to invest in Him. Um, others think that this place, this to save, is 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 the church. 
Um, listen, I believe there is a reason to have some resources and some money somewhere that you can get your hands on available for those in need that God brings right to your very attention. I don't see any problem with that at all. Uh, I would encourage it. Um, but is that really what he's teaching here? No, that ain't what he's teaching here. There's a, there's a pattern that he has laid out here in chapter 16. Remember, he's coming out of the resurrection. The greatest single text that deals with the bodily resurrection of the saints. And then he says, now concerning the collection. You're going to live in light of the resurrection, then the collection is very simple for you. He says, is, I believe that it is teaching that we are to place our money in the church. Okay? Um, that's what Paul is setting here. He's trying to set an example. Remember, I have taught this to the saints where? In Galatia. He's not just saying, I'm going to pick on the Corinthians because they got more cash. And I think if you're really honest with the book of Acts, the earliest years of the church, the concept of giving is laid out right there. The pattern of giving, um, the saints would take their monies and, and they would give them to the church leaders and the church leaders because the saints are giving them money, have the ability to walk among the saints to know the needs and, and, the, and the desires and the, and the heartaches that are going on in the body on a moment-by-moment -moment basis. And I, I think that what you have here is that you give, and in your giving there's a sense of... Uh, I'm giving, though indirectly, to the need. To the very need. I, I, I don't think that it has every individual simply giving money to whatever or whenever you want. Um, that doesn't even fit closely to Acts 4 and 5. The church's pattern was to give it to the leaders. Now then, do you see why I see that there's an emphasis on the church leadership? I have been blessed in this body of believers in the years that I have been the senior pastor and even when I was an elder, that God surrounded me with godly men led by the Spirit who were financially committed to the Lord Jesus Christ and in investing in eternity and not in temporal. And that's awesome. That is totally awesome. And, and that example of them literally discipling me is where I am today. It's where I am today. That's, that's why, you know, I would drive my wife and kids crazy when I say, I just want to go out with zero sum gain. As much as he's given me, spend all of it and be, I came in with nothing, I leave with nothing. I don't have to worry about an inheritance. And my kids are like, oh man. <laughs> and my wife says, well, what about me? And I said, what about you? God says he looks after orphans and widows. Anyway. <laughs> well, he does. <laughs> now, my wife doesn't like the sound of that. And my kids are like, this is getting old now. You know, I remember talking with Dr. MacArthur when they hired him. <laughs> he was the third pastor in three years. The two pre previous pastors had died of heart attacks. Okay, and the church was completely caring for the widows. And the only reason they hired Dr. MacArthur was he was young. <laughs> I think he's in his late 20s. And they're like, we just want someone we won't have to take care of the widow. <laughs> and so, um, anyway, let me show you some things here. Giving this deposit in the care of those who are spiritually responsible is crucial. Okay, it's like when I was teaching in Thessalonians, it's a fascinating text there in chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians, that it is the congregation's responsibility to get to know those who are teaching them. Okay, in our churches today, how do we do it? It's the pastor's responsibility to get to know all of you. But the Bible says it's just the opposite of that. It is the congregation's responsibility to get to know him. Why? 
If that's God's called man, then you have no problem whatsoever laying your money at his feet and letting him distribute it the way he deems necessary. But if you don't know him, then you're going to what? You're either not going to trust him or you're going to covet. One or the other. Anybody want to bet which one's heavier? (laughs) I trust him. I just like coveting. (laughs) The spiritually minded men that God has put in leadership in the body of Christ will determine the distribution of the funds. And you know, and I say, well, people, I don't think he does this right or he does that. Step up. Step up. I have no problem. Anybody thinks that they want to take it on, come on down. I'll be more than happy to encourage you. And Oh, yeah, and tell you what, you're about to get calluses on your knees. <laughs> if you read this here, it says, put aside and save as he may prosper. Now, a lot of people say, well, that means I need to put my money into like a bank account to get some interest. Therefore, I will prosper and we will do that. But the King James states it this way. Uh, first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him. That's a better translation. To the degree that God has given it to you, what are you supposed to do? Easy. Lay it up in store. Great. That's my 401k. No, it's not. Okay. All right. When you see the term there um, that he, as he may prosper in the New American Standard, or as you see here, um, let him buy him in store. Um, I, I want you to think about it from this perspective. Okay. The original language is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what does the Greek say? All right. By itself is personal. And private. Okay? um, Set aside this giving. You do it personally. You do it privately. By himself. Okay? It has nothing to do with do it at home. Okay? It means that he, the individual, is to determine by himself. It is a very personal thing. Private. Nobody is going to tell you how much to set aside, how much to invest with God, how much to give. Nobody's going to tell you that. Think about this for a second. Ananias and Sapphira. Everybody remember that story? Acts chapter 5. They were following the standard that was set by Barnabas. Barnabas had had a track of land. He sold it. He brought the whole proceeds in and he gave it and laid it at the foot of the apostles. Okay. Ananias and Sapphira had a track of land. They sold theirs. They came back, but they withheld some of it. Okay, now listen. Nowhere in Scripture does it say whenever you sell a track of land, you have to give all the proceeds to the church. It doesn't say that. It is a personal, it is a private thing. They could have said when Peter confronted them and says, is this all that you got for the land? They could have said, no, I'm holding some back. But they didn't. They said, I'd given it all. And Peter says, why would you lie to the Holy Spirit? And he fell over dead. Okay? The issue there is not giving proceeds from the sale of real estates to the church. The issue is that don't lie to the Holy Spirit. All right? Because your giving, I don't care who you are in this room, your giving is private unto you as God leads you to invest in His work. That's the term that is used here in the original language when it says, every one of you lay by Him in store. And that lay by Him, every one of you, all right? It's very personal. It's very private. You don't need your wife to say, honey, you need to give him an extra 50. And you don't need your husband to say, well, why aren't you giving? And you don't have to worry about that. And listen, and next week I'll deal with, quote unquote, the tithe. Okay, And I will deal with it from a biblical perspective. All right? It's something you determine by yourself. All right? Then you lay it. In store. That's what the King James translates it. The word store there <laughs> is theresis. 
Have you ever seen a tharsis? Do you know what a tharsis is? It is a treasury of words. Tharsis. Same word. It's a treasury. All right? It's a money box. It can be a chest. It can be a warehouse. I've never had that problem. It could be a chamber. (laughs) Okay? Where you put valuables, where you put your treasures. Okay? That's what he says here, put in store, lay in store. The word doesn't tell us anything about where this thing is, but I can look at it historically, and it will show me some interesting things in the culture that the first Corinthians was written. The early years of, of, of what we'd call the pagan temples come out of the Greeks and the Romans. Um, pagans would give their money offerings to the pagan temples. Did you know that everything that they did in pagan temples was by the tenth? Do you know why? By the tithe? you know why? How else do you count? Five, ten, and then you got ten more on your toes. Okay? And so when you hear people talking about the tithe or the tenth, do you really know where that came from? We'll get into that next week. Okay. What? What? Yes, same bat time, same bat channel. Um, you'd have had to watch TV in the 60s. <laughs> Never mind. Okay. The salaris. The salaris. What is that? That's a treasury. Tharsis is a treasury of words. It's a book of words that refer to words, synonyms, antonyms, and things like that. It is a place where their money was always put, and and it was put in the temple. And you know what? In these pagan temples. And they did everything based on tens. Okay, I can also tell you that the pagans believed ten was full. Why? Just hold up your hands. Okay? How many? Ten. Unless, you know, you're in war and you're like, oh, I'm only going to give a fifth today. <laughs> it was a bad day. Okay? But the temple treasury, and yet you see that also in the temple in Jerusalem. And, and I'll look at this in depth in a couple of weeks. But Jesus was watching them do what in the temple? Come and give and they put it where? In the treasury. The temple treasury. Um, you know what? Did you know that? Remember the money changers? Do you ever wonder where they got the money? It's for the temple. That's why Jesus was so angry about it. Why? You've taken this place and turned it into a house of thieves. Why? They were charging interest. Right, But there was accounts set up in the temple, the Jewish temple, where you could have like a bank account, a, a savings account. You know what? Even in the pagan temples became banks. And if you're really honest with history, the Roman and the Greek history, you'll see that the biggest banks in the world were where? The temple of Artemis, the temple of Bacchus. You know what? They found some temples in Ephesus that had safety deposit boxes. You know the reason? I can tell you the reason. It's simple if you really think about it. <clears throat> under the pagan system, I don't care what it is, under the Greeks, the Romans, the Norsemen, I don't care who it is. The people worshipped the gods they worshipped out of fear. They was always trying to make God not be mad at me. Right? And nobody would rob from a temple bank. Why? Well, if I'm already afraid of God, I'm not going to go in there and steal his cash. So, I mean, the safest place on the planet was where? In the temples. You know what? You can see it carried through into Judaism. Judaism have it. Well, I ain't going in there. Why? Well, they put a bell and they tie a rope around the high priest when he goes into the holy place so that if God strikes him down, they can pull his carcass out and get somebody else to go in. Why would I want to go in there and grab a handful of shekels? I ain't doing it. 
I won't have a rope around my leg. I can fall over dead and I'll start stinking and be embarrassed. The other thing that I want you to think about is, is that this place was associated with the meeting place. It was the place of worship, was it not? The church in Corinth was associated with what? The meeting place. It was associated with the place of worship. And he's saying here, the Apostle Paul is saying here in verse 2 of chapter 16, set by yourself, do it privately. Devote to your own thinking what you will give. You determine what to give and place it in the what? The treasury. Where is it? The church. The church. The use of the term treasury uh, would have been a place of worship. Let me ask you a question. Why would you do it on the first day of the week if you're just putting it on your own family account? First day of the week, right after church, I'm going to go down to my little bank and put my little benevolence fund in there in case the apostles ask me for some cash. Nah. That don't fit. That's what he says here. On the first day of every week, each one of you is to sit aside and save. Put it in a treasury. Put it someplace. Where? Has to be in the church. Why? Because God has put his men in charge. They must give an account. I mean, one of the first things that I will tell any person who wants to be in church leadership, do you understand this and understand this principle with all the fear that you can muster in your body? Not many of you should be teachers because yours is a harsher judgment. Now, think about that for a second. That there, if you want to be in church leadership, that ought to scare the bejesus out of you. I will tell you this. If he's leading you into that position, praise God and stay on your knees. Are they supposed to put these little funds away in their own private fund every first day of the week, every Sunday? That's tough for us. The banks are closed. Night deposit. (laughs) Then ask this question. When he came, he would be to a point where they'd have to have a collection and they'd all have to go home and get it? No, that's not what he says. He says that they would have already put it in the treasury and therefore you don't have to do a collection because it will be cash on hand. What Paul is saying is when I come, I won't have to take a a special offering because the body of Christ, the local assembly, will have it available and the spiritual leadership will distribute it. See, the context itself reveals that it is to be collected and ready when Paul arrives. You don't want to send everybody home. We're not having church today. Would everybody home get their little special collections and bring it back? It's a private fund. And the reason it's a private fund is that you have to do it. It isn't up to me. I mean, it's just like uh, talking about this radio broadcast out of Israel. Listen, I can tell you right up front, I can't afford it. <laughs> I think I got figured it up as $3,900 a year or something for like 70, $75 a week for 52 weeks, something like that. Okay. But if it's something we want to do, then we'll do it together. Um, and, and, you know, I, and again, if it's the first day of the week here, as he says, then I'm not sure how we get that. Um, first day of the week was to do what? Come together for worship. The congregation of the called out ones that come and they give in common. That's the pattern that you see in the church. And you know what? I can show that to you in the book of Acts in the beginning. I can show that through you throughout church history. That you give when you come to worship. I mean, even in our bulletin, it says it is everything is listed as worship. And one of the worships that we do is what? Giving. Why? As God has prospered us. And let's be realistic. I don't care who you are in this room today. You can't say God hasn't prospered you. I, I mean, our most our poorest people in this country are richer than most countries. That's impossible. And, you know, I, I was going through this. I was like, well, how much do you give? Uh, well, who should give? Well, if you have anything, you should give. Now then, tell me, does anybody not have anything? What? 
And yes, I understand. I understand that you can watch the news and you can look at some of the the corruption that has been in church leadership. Uh, absolutely. Uh, it tells us in Timothy that uh, an elder in the church should not be a new believer, that they fall into the snare of the devil, which is pride. Okay? So, you know, uh, it, it's, 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 it's just something that you and I have to pay attention to. But we also have to understand, when it's all said and done, whose church is it? You know, I've had people leave this church and tell me that I don't know how you guys are going to make it because I'm leaving and because I'm leaving, my giving won't be there and I don't know how you guys are going to make it. And you just sit there and go, I don't know. So what, you think you're tougher than the gates of the hell? <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I don't... I just, do you understand the attitude that is behind that? And you know what? That is an attitude of coveting. that says what I'm doing is, is a massive thing. No, it's not. No, it's not. He only has the cattle on a thousand hills. And you know what? He bought and paid for the bride of Christ with his own precious blood. So I'm thinking that he can at least take care of his church. And uh, what I have seen in my time as a pastor, as a brother in Christ, uh, he's done a real good job of it. He's done a real good job of it. In this context you would see that this collection for the saints, that he's taken it to Jerusalem, we've already looked at that in detail, would have already been collected and would be ready and would be at hand when Paul arrives. Okay? And, um, you know, I, I think about this occasionally because, you know, and I told you when I started in this message that, Teaching on giving is just not one of my, yeah, this is favorite stuff here. Uh, and yet God convicted me of that. But then I thought about this. When I look at this text, and if I read the King James, on the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gathering when I come, no collecting when I come. And I thought about this because when I think about the purpose of giving and the fellowship that is, is, is granted to you in giving, koinonia. And I think about that phrasing that each one of you do it in private. You do it yourself. You do it in your own devotion, your own way as God is leading you. I think about to love in that private act of giving systematically week by week. That's awesome. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? I think that's all. Awesome. No, I'm still coveting. Leave me alone. Okay. <laughs> uh, and you know what? Some of your funds, uh, um, a- a- as your heart's desire to do in the church, it's just some of it. What? How much? Whatever. As God leads you. So that the church can determine and distribute as. The doors are open to the church. I get calls every day right now on people needing help. And very seldom do we help anybody, but we do occasionally. Okay, because there's enough resources in our community right now um, through the task force and through uh, government agencies that we can help. When people call me up and say, can you make a house payment? No, I can't. You know, well, are you a church? Yeah, but churches, you need that guy's church up in Aurora. Okay, because he does house payments. Okay, that, that's, that's not what we're here for. But there are people who have needs. And, and we are to meet the needs. And, and I get exposed to those uh, on, almost on a daily basis. And I mean, you get all kinds of, you know, I'm down at the hotel here and my Buick blew up. And can you get me a night's room? I, well, you've been calling me every day this week. It seems to me like you're doing all right with it. <laughs> Sorry. The church will distribute them. All right? You know what? For you and I, this should be a very practical pattern for giving. It should be. That's what the text is teaching us. You know what? You know, people are going to walk out and they're going to say, you know what? Well, he's telling us that we should never meet an individual's needs without going through the church. Uh, that ain't what I said. First John chapter three says, if you see a brother has a need and you close your mercy up, how does the love of God dwell you? 
Okay? Listen, there's things that you will, will be exposed to and individuals and situations you'll be exposed to I'll never know about. And I'm glad. Okay? And, and you know what? God brings it to your doorstep and you take care of it. And I mean, it could be anything from I helped a young lady who had a flat tire. You know, and I thought, I, I bet I can change that. And, and I, you know, or when you get into the, the snow season starts clobbering us. I don't know how many people I'd drug around with a toe strap. Just part of the reason, just get them out of my way. <laughs> You're blocking my road. <laughs> so I'll drag you anywhere you need to go. Um, you know, when I think about the Good Samaritan, um, and he took care of the guy on the road and he met his needs he took care of him in excess you know he says he took him to the lodge and said you take care of him and if he runs up a bill on it don't worry i'll pay for it when i come back it's systematically it, 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 giving to the church for the work of the lord and the work of his word you know what we collectively directly and indirectly meet needs Sometimes they arise personally to you and you can meet the need. Sometimes they arise to the body of Christ and we collectively meet the needs. So, I mean, when I look at the giving in the church, I look at it as direct and indirect and deals with stewardship. It's done on the first day of the week. It's really not that tough. And you put it in the treasury. What's the treasury? The body of Christ, the church. We entrust it to the care of the church. And I have been blessed in this church to have a great group of people around me who help me with this and do a very good job. Uh, you know, it, it's like, uh, I don't know what anybody gives in this church. I have no idea. Uh, I, and I, and I don't want to know. I don't, I don't want to know who gave 10 bucks. I don't give, if somebody gave a thousand. I don't want to know that. I'm not interested in that. Okay. Because it's just like Paul just says in this text. It is for the individual. You give. As you feel like God. And you know what I always look at it? Whenever I start to give, write my check for the church, you know what I always think of? I'm just investing in God. And you know what's so cool about that? I've never lost a dime. Okay? I've never lost a dime. Have I seen some? Oh, sure. But you know what? If someone is a charlatan in the church or someone cheats the church, you know what? You think he doesn't see that? You think that person didn't catch that? Oh, God didn't, God didn't see me keep that 20. Really? Really? You really believe that anybody's got a better surveillance or security system than God? I mean, you know what? I just, he stole a thousand dollars from the church. That's all right. It'll only take eternity to pay for it. No worries. Okay, are there charlatans in leadership? Absolutely. But you know what? We were warned <laughs> that there were going to be. That, that's why I never did understand. Why would you go out and hire a pastor? Why don't you raise them up from inside? Why? Because you know who they are. Not only that, you may have discipled them and their gift has put them in that position. That's an interesting concept, don't you think? Being that it's only biblical. And they wonder why they get these guys come in here and all of a sudden they get caught with pornography or stealing or affairs and all this other stuff. And I'm saying, you hired a stranger. What was his letter of recommendation? recommendation? Did God recommend him? And yet, it still doesn't negate the responsibility that you and I have to store in the treasury for the leadership to distribute as it seems necessary. I don't even look at what they do with my paychecks or my payroll or whatever you want to call it. That When that is discussed in our business meetings, I leave. You know why? <laughs> God is faithful. He's always been faithful to me. And the truth of the matter is, everyone in this room, He's been faithful to you too. It's done in the first day of the week. It's entrusted to the care of the church. And it is determined by godly people and responsibility to that church. Kind of cool, isn't it? Do you see how the principles 
are lending themselves to the protection and giving? You will in the next few weeks. It just keeps drawing across the bridge. Let's pray. Father, I just praise you for for what you have given us. Father, you overwhelm me with what you've given us. And first and foremost, Lord, I am so grateful. I am so overwhelmed that you have given us the bride of Christ, your church. Thank you, Lord, what she means to me, to my family. And Father, may we bow our knees in appreciation and gratefulness in awe of the privilege of being in the church. Father, help us. Help us to walk worthy of our calling. Thank you for your word. And Father, the amazement that comes from your book. And Father, I thank you. You've given us so much in this land, the freedom uh, and prosperity. And Father, may we, with faithfulness, give, invest in you, to the King of kings and Lord of lords. In Christ's name, amen.